Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? And below the pop filter in letters of gold were written these words, Whoso pourth out this microphone of this stone and mixing board is rightwise king, born of real feels. Although many tried for the microphone with all their strength, none could move the microphone nor stir it. So the miracle had not worked, and Real Fields was still without a Season 3 name. And in time, the marvelous microphone was forgotten. This was a dark age, without law and without order. Podcasters lived in fear of one another, for the popular preyed upon the weak. (laughs) A legend is sung of when Real Fields was young. The podcasters were brave and bold. The good Riker's beard had died, and no one could decide who was rightful heir to the throne. It seemed that next year would be torn by war, or saved by miracle alone. And that miracle appeared in season three. This is... Return of the Fields. <laughs> oh my <Yes>! god! <laughs> well done. Well done. <sighs> I actually, now that you started that, have a treat for you. Ooh. Oh, you get yeah, treats you, for performing. You get treats for performing. All right. Well, so I already got a beer. So I, 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 I took it upon myself. We will, uh, I, can, I think they can become better, but. Ooh. Real Fills Season 3 stickers. Shiny and new. But also, (laughs) also, and I think these can also come out better. (laughs) Oh, the Riker's Beard. Riker's Beard stickers. (laughs) Which can also be added to our lovely Public store where people can get their Real Fills merch, but also joining us on Patreon, they can get Mm -hmm. us as well. So we should do a Season 1 sticker that is just the monolith from uh, uh, Space Odyssey. (laughs) With yeah. just just like three monkeys capering around it. <laughs> if, That's us, yeah. if anyone wants to get on that and, and send us some artwork, you are 100% welcome to and obviously get all the credit for such grand work. Well, folks, if you haven't uh, divined the mm. uh, purpose of this episode, this is uh, Real Feels. We are a podcast. We bring you a different movie of a different genre. Fortnightly. 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 And today is me, Host Jack's uh, genre of animation, and I've gone really deep back into the fields for 1963's Disney's Sword in the Stone. Mm. Heaven ordained. Disney Pictures presents a tale of great wonder, magic, and fantasy. The Sword in the Stone. You will follow the adventures and thrills of the daring, brave young Arthur, a boy who wants to be king, and his guide, Merlin, the wise old wizard. 
<laughs> and, and that is what I call a wizard blizzard. On their secret quest for the magical sword. With a little Disney magic, they'll go underwater. Merlin, am I a fish? Racing across the sky. And into a world of enchantment. What'll I do? She won't leave me alone. <laughs> That's a girl squirrel lad and, and a red-headed bat. With this pair, the surprises keep coming. <laughs> there, now you see. I'm not a squirrel. I'm a boy. I tried to tell you. In their search for the sword, nothing will get in their way. And no one can stop them. Not even the wicked sorceress, Madame Mim, Merlin's biggest enemy. Hey, lad, did you know that I can be huge? It's a classic tale of chivalry, courage, and honor with a fight to the end for the magical sword that will turn young Arthur into King Arthur. Don't miss Walt Disney's The Sword in the Stone. Mm-hmm. Based on T.H. White's book published in 1938, or at least they started publishing the anthology in 1938. Right. Yeah. This is the first chapter of the the man that would be... The man that would be king? The yeah. once and future king. The once, once and future, future king. king, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Disney. Disney does not do garbage. Oh, <laughs> this, this is historically. Yes. Yeah. They keep a lot of the original characters. I mean, it's Stop spun for its own purposes. Uh, you know, it's loosely based. Yeah, on very much so. The, the novel. Uh, but I think they did a, a pretty good job. But this was hard. Animation is about as broad mm. as a genre that's almost like you getting action or war. Yeah. Where there's just so many, so many different choices. Um, I looked at uh, Last Unicorn, which was near and dear to me. Uh, also, in 1972, I believe it was Disney's Robin Hood, which is a, a sort of a similar take. Such a good movie. Yeah, but I have the realest of feels for this movie because I have those memories of my the babysitter coming over when I was when we were at our house in Columbus, and it was the attractive teenage babysitter. But <laughs> you were so young, you didn't know why you liked yeah, this person like, so oh, much. Okay, cool. And they're like, "We're gonna watch Sword in the Stone." Oh, that's my favorite. And this early <laughs> memories of just watching this ad nauseum because my sister had all the princess ones, mm. you know, Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella and. Uh, even 101 Dalmatians, even though it's not princessy, and Lady and the Tramp. This is the most sort of, besides Robin Hood, the most sort of guy-oriented. And this is like the male version of Cinderella. Yeah. Like, yeah. To be, you, have, yeah. you have a downcasted, you know, scrub of a kid. The what? The what? what? That's cleaning dishes and Quiet do the sweep what? and do the mopping. And he finds out that he's special or that he's been chosen kind of he gets a magical partner kind of like cinderella uh who you know makes him educated a little bit does a little bit with him and eventually becomes royalty yeah with- even has his evil kind of stepbrother kind of thing with mm-hmm. the with K, with K, with yeah. K yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I oughta. He didn't have the forest creatures uh, building her a dress. No, they just he just had a wolf trying to eat him. Yeah, and it was and, and the squirrel trying to mate. <laughs> the squirrel. We'll get to. Oh, we'll, we'll get, get to the squirrels. But uh, this uh, movie is remarkable for a couple of reasons. Uh, it was the last sort of 
premiere before Disney died. And it also featured the Sherman Brothers, which went on to become sort of legends. the lodestone legends yeah. of Disney songwriting. They most famously for Mary Poppins, mm -hmm. but for pretty much everything for the following 15 to 20 years that was any good, Sherman Brothers wrote the music for it. And the music does have that nice little pop to it. Um, and then finally, Milt Call, one of the original nine old men that was hired on by Disney, uh, was the lead animator for this. And uh, there was no motion capture. This was all drawn freehand. So for Sleeping Beauty and for what's the uh, the down the rabbit hole? The Briar Pat? Oh, the, Alice in Wonderland. Well, for Alice in Wonderland, oh. they actually would film the actress that did the voice doing acting out the scene and they would animate off of that. Mm-hmm. None of this happened for Sword and Stone. This was all done freehand, and I think it's just beautiful animation. What did you guys think of the animation? I really liked it. I think it it definitely holds true to the stylings of like old school Disney. I mean, especially when you have the direction of what's his name, Wolfgang Reitherman, who he's famous for directing 101 Dalmatians, The Jungle Book, Aristocats, Robin Hood, and eventually Disney's Rescuers. I mean, it it holds true. It's beautiful. You have hand painted backgrounds, hand drawn backgrounds, everything. It, it fits. It fits well enough. I mean, it's not perfectly synced with like every single mouth movement no, where the audio is going to come in. And that's perfectly fine. Even, you know, the moments where Arthur is sitting there like stun faced staring at Merlin as he's explaining, you know, like, I can see into the future. Everything. Yeah, it's everything. <laughs> everything, dear Merlin. Well, well not everything. everything. Not everything. It's quite like a helicopter. <laughs> I, I, I think that's one of my little takeaways from this is I love the little references that he keeps dropping and then has to kind of pick back up. because Oh, yeah. You guys don't won't get it, but your kids are going to love it. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like Robin Williams in Aladdin, where he keeps referencing the future. Although I think that was kind of like the comedic aspect of here's an mm. all-powerful, magical being. And even when, you know, Robin Williams flies off to Disneyland and he eventually comes back from it. Same thing with Merlin. Like he juts off to Bermuda. Goes Blow to the, me to, to Bermuda! Bermuda. <laughs> goes to the 20th century and you can keep it. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because I mean, looking at, I mean, now that we've just come in to, you know, 2020, I mean, even with the uh, the 20th or the 20th century, we're looking at everything that we know and grew up with and we're like, oh, he's just talking shit about our timeline. <laughs> Well, I mean, for a movie that's going to be 60 years old yeah. in three years, I think it's just as as entertaining and as relevant as it was then. Though I did do an internet search because, they, like you said, they kept on dropping like the helicopter and motion pictures. Uh, but they're using refined white sugar in the tea. Mm. And so I, I looked up and sugar did make landfall in Europe around. There were reports of it for 1090 in 1099. Man. Uh, but I think this was really supposed to have been set before that, but that's really neither here nor there. Yeah, this uh, this has a lot of moments that you see later on in The Jungle Book, a lot of moments that you see in, in just pop culture you know, throughout, but this has no sequel. This has no live action remake. This has this is the only one of the sixties yet. And I <laughs> yeah, I wanna pose that question to you guys. When the time comes for this movie to be either remade, redone, ever anything, what do you want to see done with this? Do you wanna see a live action? Do you wanna see it just be redone with nice crisp animation? Would you like a sequel to it? The second chapter? Mm. For me, uh I feel the the Disney that produced this 
no longer exists. Right. Uh, you know, all of, all the animators in house, all of the singer songwriters were employees of Disney. And now starting, I think around like the, the, the little mermaid and, and stuff like that. And leading into the Lion King is when they started to reach out and you would get like, you know, the huge singer songwriters like Elton John, mm-hmm. uh, doing the voices, or you would get really big star power to do some of the voice work where most of the voice that are, are in this uh, movie. No name. <clears throat> well, they were very, very. They f- were, but they then again, they weren't. Yeah. Uh, nobody would really know, you know, if you mentioned who they were, what the hell else they'd done. Like the um, Mad Madam Mim, the only other thing she really did for Disney was she was the voice of Nanny in uh, 101 Dalmatians. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, it's different now. Sebastian Cabot, uh, the narrator, mm-hmm. uh, played Bagheera in Jungle Book, which I like that like com- connection because you see a lot of those animation uh, moments in Jungle Book of the uh, the the milk cow headwaggle. Gosh, yep. and it it is it is it's so good. It's, it's very in prominent. it's in the Sword in the Stone. It's in the Jungle Book. It's in Robin Hood. It's in a number of other animated features up until I think the early eighties, where milk cow would animate somebody talking, and then this head swaggle where it would kind of go side to side, which apparently for animation is very hard to do by hand. And it was just sort of his like fuck off, <laughs> like yeah, I can do this very easily. Like everybody have fun with it. And there's there's if you Google search the milk cow hag swag. Head swaggle. It's uh, half of the Jungle Book. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, 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 the, 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 the tiger in it. Yeah, he's just waggling constantly. Very much with it. Yeah, and Ooh, even uh, King John in uh, Robin Hood. Yep. You know, yep. and I think even. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a judgy yeah. bump. Uh, it's you never around when I need you. I love that movie. And I really, it was very close to me picking Robin Hood, but I think this is just a nice, simple story. There's only like really it's a like, half a dozen scenes. Yeah. In it. And it's, it's what, 90 minutes? It's, it's, yeah, a pretty, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty it's bite-sized. like 70. Yeah. I think it's like set. No, was it? Was it ninety? I th- it's it's something. Is it? I didn't know. I didn't really know like how long it was, but it it, it didn't feel that long. With a remake, I don't know how. We- I mean, like taken taken for instance, how much they love to either and it, there's no gray area. Seventy nine minutes. Okay, so I oh. didn't. Yeah, I didn't think it was budget of yeah. three million, and it made twenty two point two million back. Yeah, it was not bad. Uh, either they're gonna if they remake it, it would be set solely in in its time period okay 100 percent. or they're going to try and modernize it and i mean with recent movies that came out where they had the boy who would be king that thing came out and it's it's an arthurian legend too Mm -hmm. it didn't go over so well i think i can think the closest thing that is to this that was sort of a not even a remake or a reboot but they took the idea and they ran with it and that was with nicholas cage in the sorcerer's apprentice i like that which wasn't so bad i actually like it i like it for it has some really good comedic aspects to it. I think the I think the special effects are really a lot of fun. And of course, with almost any movie, I can look at it, grasp it, and go, "Okay, that's fun for D and D. That's fun for D and D." And I think if they wanted to do it a more modern way, I think it would have to be kind of like Sorcerer's Apprentice, where either. Merlin is traveling through time, finds Arthur, you know, you know, Uther Pendragon's, you know, long descendant. And this is what it is. So, I mean, I I think it's a hit or miss. I don't know if I would like to see a live action remake of it. That seems to be the way that they're going with it. That's all of their stuff now. It's 
Well, yeah, I mean, even with I mean, Lion King, Lion King was 100% the same script. Which wasn't, that's, people called it a live action. I'm like, this isn't. It's not live action. Live it's action. 100% <laughs> it's animated. It's all digital. And, you know, I, I get it. You know, Pixar, we, we took the boys to see The Incredibles 2. You know, it's, it is gorgeous animation, but it is sort of a different genre on its yes. own. Um, I mean, a lot of these set pieces from the the outside cuts of the castle to the, you know, the uh, shimmering of the moat when they go out before they turn uh, themselves into fish, it's got a certain, like, almost like a watercolor painting mm-hmm. aspect to it. Uh, so if they did do a remake of it, maybe do like a throwback and make it look sort of like the older style rather than going for like the modern thing where it's like Merlin's head had 100 million individually rendered hairs on it and it's like oh and that's why i ask if doing it that style doing it old school and actually like really trying to uh say hey we can we can still do this and still do it well would it be cost effective uh no, disney doesn't does it, they they put stuff on DVD all the time. Like, that one didn't do so well. Here you go, kids. Uh, we'll put that on Disney Plus. Or even doing that, like going, you know what? We're just gonna like test the water and just give a little bit of original content to Disney Plus and but a sequel in that same style in that same same vein to just have the nostalgia of people like us go. What? They have a a sequel in the same style, maybe like a little bit better, a little bit crisper mm-hmm. drawing, but but still to the like to the true heart of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Pick up, you know, where Arthur is, you know, now K's age. Yeah. And and go from there. I would really like to have seen that. I felt sort of like the movie just began when he pulled the sword from the stone and yeah. he sort of wanted a little bit more. I could definitely see that. That's uh, actually the next part that I wanted to jump into if we can is what were your expectations for this film? And obviously growing up it was just like you're just on the roller coaster and just enjoying it. But now watching it, how did it make you feel that it does kind of peak at the end and it's a very very quick drop. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So when we had gotten Disney Plus, and I, I actually own this on DVD, like I had watched it back in December. I watched it again last week. It's still very entertaining, but on subsequent watches, yes. like it does sort of start to drag at points. But it's only 90 minutes. So but it kind of goes, okay, well, that was ended quick. All right. Mm-hmm. So if there's a scene you don't like, um, you can make notes in your phone about a stupid intro that you're going to sing, and and uh, then there you go. It's beautiful. To, it it goes by really quickly. I mean, even from the scene where Arthur gets changed into a bird, goes flying, avoids the hawk, falls into Madame Mim's, you know, uh, little hut. The duration between when he is a bird being held in Merlin's hand to when he is in Mim's hut and she starts to be all like, oh, I, I can't let you go. <laughs> and no, no, I have to destroy you. And it she sounds shuts the like door. somebody's sick. <laughs> How delightful. <laughs> That is like five minutes. That whole like duration from like turning into a bird, flying and falling into Mad Men's hut where she's about to eat him as a cat. Yeah. Five minutes. I mean, it, it, it passes by incredibly quickly. Watching it now, I, I think I still laugh at the same scenes. And that's primarily like uh, when they're, uh, they're the squirrels and the uh, the wizard's duel. Wizard's duel is so good. And then that's really it. And mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't change anything for me. I think I still have the same uh, feelings that I grew up watching it. I did like the animation, I think, a little bit more because it was more whimsical as a child. You're more into it and such. But I also watched this growing, growing up when I was like, 
you know, in my 20s. I have a friend, her name is Lauren. She absolutely adores this film. And I mean, we would recite the squirrel lines back and forth all the time. So, I mean, it's it's still pretty fresh because I think the last time I watched this was, I mean, it's going to be a bit, maybe, maybe 10 years ago. But I mean, it's still, it didn't seem like that long ago. It's still, you know, right there. I, I think it still holds up pretty well. I like the message from the fish scene the moat scene you know they're, they're the the to and fro stop and go yeah that's just sort of the fluff that gets it but it's mind over matter intellect versus brawn and also if you uh you've got a nothing ventured nothing gained mm-hmm. is one of the lyrics from that song and i think that's just a great message to present to small children who would be the target audience for this from the Disney movies that we get where it's a lot more pop and flair, a lot more feast of the senses rather than, you know, hey, go out there. you got to you got to make it work yourself. No one's just going to hand this to you. You've got to yep. go out and work for it on your own. And I think that there's a lot of great messages in here that is different from your sort of your princess stuff like, oh, kiss your prince and he'll wake up and the dwarves will help you. Or, you know, if you just look pretty for the prince, he'll take you. And now they're very like forced messages. Like Frozen feels very forced at times when they're just like, ah, oh, women, you know, can be powerful too. And it's like, no, 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 we, you don't have to force any of that. And like, even. I mean, we, we had that with Mulan far before. Wait, yeah, Frozen. I thought Mulan was badass. I mean, <laughs> and, and the same thing with like, you know, even before Mulan, you had Pocahontas, like standing up to her father, like, you know, I mean, stopping the death blow, you it, know, coming down on him. I mean, you had you had strong characteristics in female characters, very, very prominent. Even the villains like are insanely OP, like uh, Maleficent is just this badass sorceress that just can turn herself into a freaking dragon. Like, what? Yeah, that's what? why I love Madame Mib because she's just she's batshit she, crazy. She cheats. She doesn't care. She's like, okay, this is the rules. I'm the best. I can make things die. And then as soon as they turn their back, not only does she not count, she goes invisible and she One, turns into. And, and I think that's one of the standout <laughs> songs of this movie is Mad Madam Mim's song that she sings about herself. Uh, I just, I, I love it. You're especially so when vain. She, <laughs> when she, she hits this almost like manic crazy at the end. Of, the marvelous bad, 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 bad Mim. I wanted her to be playing solid, like car, not solitaire. I wanted her to be playing cards with like a dead corpse or like a skeleton. Who's all, it's like, I win. Like, are you going <laughs> to? Again. Yes. With <laughs> Grace, she's like, someone's sick. Join us for cards. But she grabs one of his bones. I get this now. <laughs> but, I get your funny bone. But even the trees that are animated in the scene for the wizard duels, like a lot of them, when you look at the, some of the ones in the background, they look like these tortured, bent ugly almost like tortured trees like there's a, a little bit of a which is everything detail. in her area yeah, yeah. exactly and I, though i would have liked something more than like a hut for her and i would have liked something more than a hut for merlin find him in some like amazing place he seems like he's always traveling because i mean if he if he made a spell, just like his latest airbnb yeah <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if, if he's able to like conjure a spell that's specifically to shrink and pack everything down into his like you know TARDIS bag to clean an entire kitchen of you know a million dishes, right? And I was like, black magic, the worst of all. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I never dab, I never touch the things. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for hers, I think it would have been a bit more interesting to. Though I don't think they wanted to represent her as like dark and evil kind of like how maleficent you look at her and you're like okay oh you have these darker (laughs) you have these darker shades of color we immediately know that you're bad 
as opposed to like the fairies, which are light and whimsical and, you know, kind of like, you know, popping fresh colors. Madame Mim is a mixture of like, you know, pink and purple. And she's she's, you know, kooky. But she's not diabolical. I think she is just, like you say, batshit crazy. Mm. And she's not like, I'm going to win. I don't care what you say. And yeah, she's not going out into the world trying to conquer or kill or anything. It's just whatever kind of, she's like a spider. Just like whatever lands in her web. She's like, ooh, okay, well. But she's somehow, cool. but she's already, but she's known to Archimedes. And she's known to Merlin. Because, I mean, when he goes into the door and he's like, oh, Madame Mim. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Like, flies away. And it's like, holy crap, she's here. She's supposed to be dead. Like, I mean, that should have been more of a backstory. Like, oh, my God, we didn't know that she was here. We didn't know that, you know, she came out of hiding or, you know, her her tomb was uncovered or something like. She's Azarak? Is that- She's <laughs> well, And then on the flip side, I like how they Madame sort of Min's made Madhouse. Merlin sort of like a bumbling Gandalf. Like, yeah. he's constantly getting his beard twisted around. He's constantly forgetting, like, his own words to his own spells. Like, he has Archimedes, like, oh, wait, what's what's that Latin stuff for fish? Aquaticus, aquaticus. <laughs> Where but, was I? Hockety pockety? <laughs> <laughs> but the, some of these, some of these uh, gibberish that they made up for... You know, his songs and his spells like the Higginus Figginus Mum, Prestidigitonium, Higginus Figginus Miginus Mum, Prestidigitonium, Stick, Stock, Snarl, Alakazam! <laughs> like, it's just, it's always kind of funny. And uh, funny, I think, should bring us to the squirrel scene. Ah. Oh. Thank God. I I absolutely adore the squirrel scene. It's cute where, you know, the female squirrel is absolutely just smitten with our with Arthur and yep. just constantly trying to get attention. I love the the playfulness where she's he's like, get the fuck away. And she's like, and then like, you know, playing peekaboo with his hands. It just it's so cute. She like shoves him to the ground and Mer- uh, the wart hides under Merlin's tail for, <laughs> like, for a little bit. <laughs> it's like, he's here. Just get him out. <laughs> and it's a great scene. And, and I think that was one of the first times that uh, I'm not a furry. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> but I got a little bit of feelings from this female squirrel. Like, oh. You, you, can, you can feel the passion behind her. She is definitely like full blown in love with him at first sight. DTS. Down yes. the squirrel. I, I do love the rather passion-driven and, uh, you know, almost like middle-aged, lives-at-the-bar kind of woman who comes across to Merlin. And she's like, Ooh, Yeah, that's, that's, that's Anna. <laughs> oh, hello. No, and she wanted me to mention that. Oh, okay, good, good. <laughs> because her, her old, old, like the the larger squirrel... Trying to come on to Merlin, Merlin's like, Madam, I am an old, I am an old man. <laughs> you think you're in trouble? Look, look what I got here. <laughs> but uh, when when he falls off trying to escape her affections and he turns himself back into a human, that part makes me laugh so hard because when he comes flying up through the bushes and the fat girl like shrieks like an old woman. <laughs> I lose it every single time. But on the flip side of that, when the wart gets turned back and the other female that like just saved him from the wolf Aww. and like I love the scene where she runs up and she like she like rat bites the wolf's back like 
and like takes the wolf out of the equation is like all right now it's it's time to squirrel <laughs> like it's, I it's saved, a wee bit of skeleton <laughs> i saved you this means you need to love me <laughs> well, but that's like the saddest part of the movie no like the this heartbroken squirrel like I, I feel like she's she's sitting alone she never found another one she's got a picture that she painted up on the wall of of <laughs> him and she just pines the rest of her life for the wart squirrel so this, I would, I would agree that this uh, scene is in contention for the saddest scene because I remember when, when I very, very first watched this. This is a long, long time ago. The scene where he is talking to Merlin and says, "Like, well, you don't, like, you don't know, like, you don't know what it's like to be me," and he's crying. And he's fighting back tears. That part, I well up a little bit almost each time just because I'm like, dude, here's this kid who is just a good kid. Like, he has a good heart. Merlin obviously sees that. He's being super hard on him. And he finally gets... What do you want me to be? Exactly. I'm a nobody. You don't know anything about today. (laughs) He finally gets to be a squire, which is what, in his world, that's everything. Yeah. And so, for what he understands. So yeah. when Merlin kind of shits on it, I'm like, dude, this kid just like won the Nobel Prize of his life, you and know what, you're just not like, come on, you know, come what, it, on, you know what it is? It's Merlin has the Thanos syndrome because he too is cursed with knowledge. So Merlin knows that great things are going to happen for Arthur, yet he, I don't think he can like divulge that information to him just yet. And he knows that he has to work hard, but he has to be on this right path. And being a squire is not necessarily going to lead him there, yet it does. Everything kind of like falls right into place. And I don't know. He, You're right. He gets far too angry. Well, but I think that that shows the the sort of the, the, the dichotomy between watching it as a kid and watching it as an adult. Right. Because watching it as a kid, I'm right there with Nathan's point of view, like, well, I'd want to be a squire. Heck yeah! And I got this. I got this. I got this fancy. Like, I got this <laughs> fancy uniform now. I haven't eaten for uh, three days. <laughs> and it, it isn't until you you are a little bit older and a little bit more cynical that you realize why Merlin's pissed off. But again, he kind of goes about that in a in a in a weird way. Yeah, but the squirrel. I mean, I hope that you know she she does you know go to the squirrel tender. Swipes a couple times and does find someone that she. There was no squirrel tinder. <laughs> no squirrel tinder. Oh nuts! What were they called? Oh, nuts. No. <laughs> but oh, that's it. Bust a nut. Bust a nut is the squirrel tinder. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. This scene <laughs> rivals obviously Bambi's tw- uh, Twitter painted scene because that was the first time that I ever was like, oh, like. These these two um, like each other. I get mm. it. Um, but this was the quick follow up for me. I saw this after Bambi and was like, "Oh, like, dude, she likes you. Oh, you're you're a human. Yeah, it, <laughs> it'll never work. This is not happening." But there's a fun little thing that's thrown in there where the uh, the wart and the other two squirrels that aren't Merlin are colored sword so that they would be like the indigenous red squirrels that were in England. And then there were squirrels that were accidentally introduced from America, gray squirrels that overtook the red squirrel population and almost annihilated them. 
Merlin's the gray squirrel. So he's seen sort of into the future that, you know, these squirrels are more prevalent. And it wasn't just a take on the coloring of his robes. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. That went too. very deep. I did not expect that. Okay. Take it as big as burn as Chitonium. I was telling Jack, like, there was an alternate opening to this film that was actually cut where one of the conversations that Merlin was having with Arthur is that Merlin travels back in time and Archimedes goes forward in time. And so with the two of them together, they know everything. Everything? Almost everything. <laughs> I knew someone would be here. I just didn't know who. But Archimedes, though. Well, let's, let's, can we talk about him? Uh, you finish, finish your thought. One little thing that actually kind of like adds to the story that is a bit interesting and would also make more sense to Madame Mim being there was that instead of having Wart be this just random adoptee, Wart is the long lost son of Uther Pendragon, who has recently died, and Mim has kept him out of the limelight purposely to avoid taking the throne so she could uh, that's an interesting take i'm kind of glad they did cut it i i think it would have been interesting i don't think it would have had obviously the same feel it would have given it much more of a serious i was gonna feel. say this would have been much more of a story yeah because let's be honest it's not really a story. It's an intro. It's yeah, it's an intro and just kind of a like an opening act like hello my baby. <laughs> just kind of, you know, hey, all right guys, next up on the stage, you know, we got a really good lineup for you. Oh, is he not here? Oh, okay. okay. All right. Well, good night. Stretch it out. Stretch it out. Merlin does his, you know, he shows him land, sea and air. Mhm. Uh, but it's it's Archimedes actually teaches him how to read for crying out loud yeah and when merlin gets pissed off and blasts himself to bermuda it's archimedes who's with him in you know the tournament and then the the ensuing um uh, court scene where he tries to escape and then merlin comes back so Ar archimedes i think is just this great sidekick character uh, he's, a, he's a little bit of consistency where Merlin can be sort of all over the place. He's kind of bumbling. He forgets. I, I do like that. And I also like how some of the magic effects, like when they shrink somebody down or they puff somebody up, it's just a guy sitting in a sound booth going, <laughs> <laughs> I like, um, hey, they oh, only had three million. Okay. The, <laughs> they didn't have a lot. <laughs> who was the, who was the knight? I forget his name, but the, the knight who came in and Palinor! I Big do. news! <laughs> I do love his mustache. He's just... <laughs> He's twiddling the mustache. I thought that was great. Okay. I thought he was a lot of fun. But no, it's something different. <laughs> He'll be king. <laughs> king? King. Oh, get the wart. <laughs> and, and I do love the scene where uh, the, the cook comes up and says that the kitchen's been bewitched. <laughs> No, no, definitely. Right. <laughs> right. Oh. They go down, they're trying to fight the dishes. I'm like, those are your own dishes that you're breaking. And, and that's a lot of dishes for only apparently like three or four okay, people that live you. here. I could not believe how many times War is, is carrying. Whoa, what? Whoa, what? Okay. <laughs> and what, what? That sound effect is used <laughs> like three or four times. Oh, it's, it's the Wellham well, scream. He was voiced <laughs> by three different people. One was a boy. The other two were like men. Because it oh, took okay. three years to do this movie. So one kid grew out of the voice <laughs> and eventually I had to get two other people. But yeah, like. I'm here to, to read for the part. Whoa, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know Kay's father. Probably should have read the lines. Has to have been given this castle like all off 
near the swampland and on the outskirts of the woods. It's all like, you're going to get a castle. Where is it located? Right next to Fangorn Forest. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the design of the castle. The I love the, 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 leap, the tower where they slam the door and you can see right. the, it's the, it's sway. <laughs> this is and the guest house. Merlin's using a uh, cauldron and a, a suit of breastplate armor as, as a furnace. Like, I love this little shit that's in this movie. It's good. It's it's a it's a good deal of fun, and I do love Archimedes' uh, voice actor uh, Junius Matthews, who also played Rabbit in Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. The original oh. Rabbit. The original Rabbit in Winnie mm-hmm. the Pooh. Uh, so we should talk about the wizard duel before. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> before we go into segments, I like that. Well, Potter, wizard's duel, midnight. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the most engaging scenes of the movie. That's where it ramps up um, a little bit heavier than. But like, what what are they going to do next? What are they going to turn into? And Merlin, uh, he goes immediately into the the mouse. Or no, the I wrote him. No, down. no, no. It's a mouse. It's a mouse because it's um. No, is it a? Ma- yeah, no, no. It is the mouse. Uh, he starts off as a turtle. Oh, that's right. Sorry, he goes the turtle, the turtle, a rabbit. Yeah, caterpillar, snapping turtle. Yeah, walrus. <laughs> Walrus, and then the mouse is because she turns into the, the elephant. The mouse, when he hits the ground, he just is a... <laughs> then he goes into a crab, a goat, back to a mouse, and then to a germ. The, the crab <laughs> trying to get the snake neck, and then when she calls him an old goat, and then he turns into a goat, goat. the next scene when she's like pinned in the tree that she grabbed. I love this. I love this so much. It's just watching two wizards, like, you know, just cast polymorph each and every single time. Yeah, it's, it's not but Lord it's of the fun. Rings, like no, uh, Gandalf and Saruman, like, throwing themselves Brendan around Isengard. <laughs> trade knowledge for madness. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, no. and they're supposed to be destroying themselves, but, I mean, you don't see them trying to. I mean, they're trying to get each other. But it doesn't seem like they're actually willing to kill them off. You Except mean, for Merlin. He's like, Merlin, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Oh, wouldn't I? <laughs> well, Merlin even goes back and yanks his tail fluff out of Mim's <laughs> <Man>. mouth. <laughs> Mine. But, uh, I, I do chuckle every time that uh, Mim comes out from the log and she's the fat chicken. <laughs> and she oh. just like he launches him up in the air and she's just capering around down below like, ah! Because even her feathers like resemble like her bloomers mm-hmm. and the legs. I, that's what I just think is really funny. Oh, I'm gonna get you, Merlin. You'll get there for this. But it's consistent <laughs> how Merlin is constantly taking these small creatures that are not. I mean, it's he's like, trying to be tactical like, while she's yeah. trying to like exert power. Why are you not just like becoming? The elephant or the tiger or something that's it, huge the largest and dominating. creature he becomes is the, the walrus, walrus, and only because gravity is on his side. And he's like, well, yeah, might so, as well yeah. just fall he's, on her. he's using his knowledge, and she's trying to use brute strength. And some of the transitions uh, between the animals, like when he turns from the the little snail into the walrus, and then when he pops from the was it the rabbit into the the billy goat to ram her like it's like this explosion where like the the torso flies back and the legs slam down and it's it's really great artistry uh using the most of that they had on hand at the time i i sort of feel like if you showed this to your son after him seeing like the cutting edge animation that we have now how would they notice would they receive it still well i think that in a weird way they 
do still receive it because there's something, dare say, magical about these kind of older films. Mm. Uh, they they're they're so well crafted. It's kind of like um like a toy that's been like hand carved. And you're like, whoa, even though it's not like these cool, you know, fancy toys that you have, but it's this beautiful work of art that you're like, uh, I, I want to play with this more than these other toys in a weird way. I mean, I, I can always go back to these toys, but there's something special about this that I just admire. And and so there's times when he'll just watch. because uh, And Daxton w- and I watched this uh, on Saturday and just, just... Was he just entranced? Just entranced, just watching it. But he loves, you know, I mean, he loves all kinds of, you know, shows and stuff like that. But there's times when he'll just stop and just watch. And, yeah, mm. and I feel like a movie like this is sort of a nice, like, a nice heroine for a small child will like they will maybe calm down and it's only 79 minutes long yep Maybe you could clean the house or make dinner while they're sitting there just watching and again, Merlin. No story for them to be like that you have to like explain a lot of things. It's again just hey, here's some kind a of series th- of unfortunate <laughs> events. <laughs> Good movie. A weird, a weird moment in this film before we go into segments that I wanted to touch base on that uh, it may be a bit of a stretch. The song that they sing in the moat. Have you noticed that song in another popular film? Something similar to what we were just talking about earlier before uh, of Lord of the Rings ish when Schmeagel is to catch Yes! Holy fuck face. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that the? Was he's, that? He's I killing Merlin. Know, that's could, who he's killing. I could, oh my god! Oh, that's, that's where dark, he's been. Dark <laughs> no, but like, it was a weird, just parallel that I was like, and I couldn't find anything online about it. But I, in my brain, I was going, wait a minute, this is taken directly from this so movie. Sweet and juicy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I still do get uh, some goosebumps when when he reaches for the sword and the the sunlight shines down with the, the, the choir, the modes of light. Like I do really love that that end scene. And then you know, Kay's like, "Wait, anyone can pull it once it's been pulled." And then everybody rushes up, and Sir Actor's like, "Go oh, give it, give it to it, lad," and he's Come helping him out. And then the, no, let the boy. Try. I say, let the boy try. <laughs> it, it is like one of those classic things in Disneyland where, I mean, you have Cinderella's castle. You have the huge castle, but you go inside and I think you veer off to the left hand, if I remember correctly. There's the stone. There's the anvil. There's the sword. Uh, and and you, can always, you can always go and try. And there's always pictures of people like, you know, taking a pose like they're trying. They're really trying. Like, I mean, they're like, like a hernia if they're going to pull any so harder. So recently a man broke it just no! like in the past week that's what no! i could not believe. i was like wait a minute this is weird because i just googled like, i have I, to call my brother on that and yeah he that's just was crazy uh pulled up on it he was quite a girthy man and oh, uh no because <laughs> i malfunctioning wait wait so Palinor! He, <laughs> it's Palinor! Did he like break the sword? Did he break it off or did he actually pull it out pull and broke it, it? And broke it. Yeah. Oh, that's sad because I know they'll eventually like someone, some worker will be watching and they'll, you know, they'll press a button and it'll release the sword and they'll like, 
We have a king. For, when, usually, like when a kid does it, and that's, yeah. that's awesome. You know, that's got to make a kid's. Oh my gosh! Yeah. They Please tell me whatever Disney representative was on hand just went, "Hang it all." <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't. I don't have any tattoos. If I would get a tattoo, there was always the Star Trek, the Starfleet emblem. I really want chance. you to get that. But I was thinking the other day, just the the sword and the stone and the anvil, maybe with or maybe without the wart sort of reaching for it, I could live with that. <laughs> I, I think this movie means that much. It just goes right back to like the earliest days of childhood. I honestly really like that K admits defeat and bows and kind of goes, you know what? Yeah, he, you're he's he's all he's he's begrudging about it. And then he like looks up. He sm- he's like ah. And then he kind of puts his head but down. That's he's all, all like, animation. Aw. That's all like. There's no words. It's like I was in a, that. And then he to him. he has that moment <laughs> where he sort of he clenches his jaw, sort of, and re- you realize that well, this is the king now. And yeah, I gotta gotta do what I gotta do. I'm probably gonna die around me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, gentlemen, segments. Uh, I, I did nothing of the sort. <laughs> I intended to eat him. <laughs> Young perch is my favorite dish. You know that. While Archimedes puts on a gruff exterior, he seems to have the wart's best interests in mind. As Merlin handles the big picture ideas, it's Archimedes that teaches Wart the essentials, even comes to his aid when he becomes and becomes his companion when Merlin storms off to Bermuda. Did you ever run into some sort of Archimedes or, or an Archimedes or two during your journey in life? So not so much to the point where, I mean, they were mean, but obviously it's it's still to the attempt of helping. And I would say that it is it's almost like a split. But then, you know, one job definitely goes to the Archimedes of the two. One is a Merlin. One is an Archimedes. And this uh, this goes directly to my department chairs at work. I mean, I have one who is helpful. OK, helpful. At overseeing things and, you know, giving their opinion. However, it's the other department chair who is more intuitive. They are, uh, like very hands on. They want to give definite more advice towards things instead of just like looking at something and going, huh, okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So the other one is much more, let's get this done. Let's work out things. What do you want to do? What do you not understand? Is that an idea? Okay. That's not going to work. Let's try and work things out a little bit more. So, I mean, I, I've come across that. I've also had uh, my high school drama teacher, who I now work with since I went back to school. So many, like, life lessons were, like, taught from her, like, both on and off stage for me that I, I still hold true and I still, you know, try to keep with me every day. And a lot of it is coming from, like, you build a relationship with certain people. And what about very old friends? <laughs> <laughs> but with things like that, like, with a relationship that you can build with a director, giving hard truths will suck sometimes, but you grow from them because you know they're coming from a place that is honest and sincere. So for her, I mean, that was that was something that is important then. It's still important now. And it's kind of sad because she's retiring this year. So well, <sighs> I had my Merlin would have been my youth pastor, Tom Couch. Um, who, Archimedes. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, I'm getting to that. Oh, all right, all um, right. Tom Couch is just a brilliant a brilliant guy and knows knew how to translate a lot of things to someone like me that had ADHD that couldn't really just sit and listen to any sermon or anything like that so he spoke my language and was a great great teacher however 
There was a another student that in our like youth group growing up that was a year older than me, and his name was Aaron Polston. And Aaron and I, when we first, it's weird because we had a friendship and then kind of not a friendship. And this is where I would start this Archimedes like journey with him, where he was. We were not really good friends, and then we kind of fell back into like this. Okay. I can I can work with this. Uh, he became my squad boss for our fire department or for the fire crew and taught me a lot of things that were not taught by the superiors. And even when in church, like just we we went through things together. And so it was a, a very weird kind of moment of like, wait, didn't we not like each other at one point? Okay, but this, but we're past that, and now you know we're actually pretty good friends and uh kind of like seeing the movie just i felt like this was this was our relationship i was like yeah i i've been there so all right so i've got uh a main and honorable mention uh the main was my sixth grade english teacher his name was mr schmidt and mr schmidt had the reputation where when you told other people and my sister was three years older than me so when i was going in the sixth grade she was transitioning over to the high school for freshman year and he just had this reputation as a very stern, unforgiving teacher. And in retrospect, he was one of the finest teachers I ever had. And it wasn't so much about his teaching method. So that was a part. It was his ability to control the classroom. I cannot teach the boy, Jack. <laughs> so, he has no patience. He will learn patience. <laughs> and I just imagine Jack's sister as Obi-Wan. <laughs> so he... There was, there was no assigned seats in this class. So every class, you could come in and just sit wherever you wanted. And they were in rows, like, you know, five or six rows by another five or so. If you sat next to your friends, he would allow you to do that. But the moment you fucked off, no. he would fire. Like, if there were four of us sitting up in a corner or in the back corner, he would fire all four people to the opposite four corners of the room. And you didn't want that to happen, so you learned to keep your shit in check. Or if you were real chatty Kathy, he would make you, and he didn't say this, but he would sit you next to, like, the pretty girl in the class that most guys <laughs> had, a, had, a, had a crush on. Because you know you didn't want to mouth off and embarrass yourself while you were sitting next to mm, this man is brilliant. The, the, the pretty girl. That's good. And That's good. He, he had, um, like, he would just had this way about his teaching class where he's swaggering uh, up in front of the the blackboard and he would if he had a loose change in his pocket he'd just be you know banging the change around in his palm or if he had chalk in his hands he would be like rubbing the chalk pieces back and forth or or or, or going you know moving his hands so the chalk would rattle against each other but he chose really amazing books for us uh sixth grade we, we read um all quiet on the western front and Wow. For a sixth grade for class? For a sixth grade class. Damn. And that was a tough book to get through for yes. a bunch of sixth graders, but he made it easy and he made it he set a, a an environment where you could critically sort of evaluate and, and he would make you read between the lines. And there's not always though, there's one famous quote, two of my other groomsmen were in this class with me. And when we were reading All Quiet on the Western Front, like he just starts the class and he's going, all right, you know, chapter four, did you get the part about masturbation? <laughs> and it was just a shock. <laughs> like, who's going to respond to that? Who's going to raise their hand? Like, yes, sir, I got the uh, <laughs> the references to masturbation. <laughs> but 
I, I look, yes, can you please sir, elaborate? I look upon his class fondly because while he would throw you into the office uh, if you misbehaved, if you stuck it out, he was an amazing teacher. Uh, the other guy was uh, Jude. And Jude was at my first job at Ace Hardware. He was like 80. Hey, Jude. And all he did was repair screens. I'm glad you went to it there. Repairing <laughs> screens. <laughs> and all he did was repair screens. But he he sort of had the handyman knowledge of like he could fix anything. Anything. And uh, so we would have to put together like the the new like the new grills for the the new upcoming season we put those together and so he would sort of put together one grill and then if if a if a not a patient if a customer bought a grill they had the option of either just getting the box or having us put it together for 50 bucks so i put together a fair amount of grills and it was his sort of, you know, this is how this works. This I have spoke just the basic stuff. His tutelage made it a lot easier. But he was just so gruff and abrasive. <laughs> like he would, he was in charge of making. We had a popcorn machine, and he would add like triple the amount of oil that one would need. So like the the popcorn was almost like this neon orange. Like it was, it was the <laughs> richest popcorn you could have. So he's upstairs up there making his popcorn, and I remember going and asking him a question. And he's explaining me the answer to what I need or explaining me the part of the store I need to go to help this this customer find what they're looking for. And he hawks a loogie, but he's not going to spit it on the ground. He just bloops it into the palm of his hand and then closes his fingers over it and just goes about with this explanation. What? (laughs) Just holding this loogie in his hand and just sort of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) What's going on here? Can you handle that? (laughs) He what would you fart there? audibly. <laughs> and he was on a medication where um, it's a it's a story between my buddy Chris and I where um, one time we had to clean up Jude poop. Oh. oh. Where uh, there was one men's bathroom. It was one single toilet in a closet sized room. And uh, oh. his medication gave him uh, some fits. Mm. Mm. So when he got his pants down and he bent over... He shot shit all over the back of the toilet. Hey, Jude, you got <laughs> the shit, shit the toilet. <laughs> There's a mess there. We'll get it later. We'll make the high schoolers do it. <laughs> but we had to uh, clean. We had to tidy up the Jude poop. Hmm. But luckily, we worked in a hardware store that had all your personal protective <laughs> equipment. <laughs> This is I'm putting on ten. three <laughs> layers of gloves. Here. But uh, my my buddy Chris, like it's still it's like a thing where you know if it's a bad situation, it's Jude poop. Oh, Jude poop. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's my Archimedes. I'll have to tell you. Have I told you my blockbuster poop story? Do I want to know your blockbuster? I'll poop save story? it for another day. <laughs> it's one of my it's one of my friends' favorite stories. It's actually one of my favorite stories to tell from my time at Blockbuster. I'll save it for later. You know, lad, that love business is a powerful thing. (laughs) Greater than gravity? Well, yes, boy, in its way, I'd, uh, yes, I'd say it's the greatest force on Earth. The squirrel scene is a hallmark of the film. It delivers some of the best laughs of the entire movie, and while it remains one of my favorite scenes, it also concludes on a very sad and melancholy note. When the red squirrel falls in love with the wart, it's in the most beautiful and innocent way, and for her it ends in tears, her new love torn asunder. What other movie from your childhood or adolescence, animated or otherwise, did you find a scene that always made you sad? 
This, for me, would be the BBC version of Narnia, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. When Aslan dies, mm. I, uh, I, as a kid, would tear up because, and even when I didn't fully get the message that, oh, this is Jesus dying on the cross, idiot. He hath arisen. <laughs> it was just the feeling of here is someone stepping, volunteering his tribute that I will take the... Like his punishment. Yeah, and- I will take the, you know, the death. I, I got you. Mean things. They just tied them so tight up their sheer spine. We'll never get them undone. We must. Keep trying. it just always got me bambi i mean that's the honorable mention i guess but like um because you know when he loses his mom you're like oh shit this is bambi bambi's a he bambi yeah uh no wait isn't no bambi's a girl isn't mm, yeah bambi's bambi's a boy because later on when he meets the like sees the girl bambi just has really pretty eyes (laughs) I mean, you know, that's fine. Huge uh, <laughs> tracks of land. <laughs> when he sees the uh, the girl deer later on, he's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, and they're like frolicking, and everything's cool. And then, he, and then Rowan or Roan, um, they're like, yeah. and then they fight. You know, because he's got he's got the antlers. Oh, he that's goes, true. What am I doing? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> so there's generations Baby. of strippers that are named after a, uh, a, a character yeah. incorrectly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it happens. It's fine, but. But yeah, I think that Aslan Dying was the BBC version. True. There are two movies that I frequented as a child that it they almost they almost come to a tie. They really do. And uh, the first one that I and I watched these religiously as well as a child over and over and over. The first one is The Neverending Story from 1984. And whoa, 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 whoa. Never Never ending ending story. story. And it's it's Artax. Drowning in the Swamp of Sorrows. Artex, you're sinking! Come on, turn around! You have to now! Come on! Artex! Fight against the sadness, Artex! Artex, please. You're letting the sadness of the swamps get to you. You have to try. You have to care. For me, you're my friend. I love you. Artax! Stupid horse! You gotta move or you'll die! Move, please! I won't give up! Don't quit! Artax! And that... It, because it's not only... It's some heavy shit to put on a it, kid. It is! Yeah. Like, I mean, the horse is... It's it's depressed. It's giving up, and it's it's willing to die. It's willingly dying. And then you have Atreyu just like yelling, so angry, so pleading with it. Like, come on, Artex, don't give up, don't give up. And then of course, like you know, people say things out of anger because they're so flustered. Like, I mean, he is so he's so angry with Artex giving up. He's like, stupid horse. And then you have Atreyu just sitting there, just on the outskirts of the swamp, just looking at, at, at a pile of mud. And I mean, that, man, I mean, just, that, that like still gets me. I mean, it's still, it's so, so sad. The other one 
when I could appreciate it more later on. But I still just, I loved it as a kid, just over and over. I'm like, oh, this is a great movie. This is so much fun. Great soundtrack, blah. It's when Optimus Prime is dying in Transformers the movie, 1986. With Orson Welles! And Leonard Nimoy. And, but it's, it's him passing on the Allspark to Rodimus Prime and saying, I think it's Rodimus Prime. But and saying, like, you know, tell all are one, like, don't worry, like, I'm I may I may be dying, but we're we're all going to be together again. It's OK. It's going to be OK. It's kind of like Pepper going to Tony at the end of Endgame and saying we're going to be fine. We're going to be OK. And I mean, th- those are two moments that I mean, I don't think I truly appreciated as a kid. But the more that I grew up and I think back on them, I'm like, damn, like this is some heavy stuff. And, and they were very, very sad. All right. This was good. You you took my art text, but I've got. Oh, backups. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> that's some heavy stuff. Um, for me, the my second go to was there were two made for TV Star Wars movies in the 1980s. It was Ewoks and Ewoks Return to Endor. Yeah. The first one is pretty ho hum. I think the second one is the best. It's got the uh, the goddamn um, the Wolfram diabetes guy, guy yeah. in it from uh, the the. Uh, the <laughs> Get, my get you some rolled oats. Get you some oatmeal. It's a goddamn cook. <laughs> Wilford Brimley in it. But uh, anyway, at the beginning, this sort of savage band attacks the Ewoks where this girl is living with her brother and her parents. And she's got this indicator bracelet on her mm-hmm, arm mm-hmm. that shows a green light for everybody who is alive in her family. And then during the course of the intro, they all die. So the movie sets the tone by basically killing off this girl's parents and her brother and her watching like her brother like go go and then he like he ducks behind and all these blaster bolts come in and like it just winks out of existence like they start flashing the color yeah this is the you know the the 1980s movies that you know they're not pulling the punches which I think a lot of the movies that are made for children today are pulling Mm. those punches like they're exploring different themes but goddamn what a way to start the movie is orphan this poor girl i thought that was heavy as hell the other one and it always brings down the house is charlotte dying at the end of charlotte's oh, web that's that is right true too. yeah so so those are my two we'll, we'll bring it to uh something else <laughs> we'll bring here. it to, so, to a happy place <laughs> we got the milk call head swaggle a trademark mm. talent of the lead animator known for his extreme it's extreme difficulty to casual observer or family member what's a physical movement or tick that you've been made aware of that you previously didn't know you exhibited oh i get to, i get to go, go i'll or, go first if you want. Go, go for it <laughs> uh, you can see it right here i worry on my fingers constantly if i'm stressed out Ah, pick at him yeah i will uh use a middle finger on my index finger and just wow that's talent though i've i've never been able to like do 
I, you know, but I never really realized I was doing it until a, I've looked down and there's blood or B and is like, fucking stop it. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) So there's that. And then, um, I guess at, at work, I always have like, there's a couple of, of, uh, my coworkers that my, when I'm walking down the hall, like my head is always sort of tilted. (laughs) <laughs> a little bit to the side. I'd never really noticed that before. And then there's the sort of the hunching down when they take the picture because I'm taller than everybody anyway. Yeah. But yeah, those are mine. Mine comes from, uh, I have what they call tongue thrust, which is... Whoa, We're doing a children's film. <laughs> <laughs> it's where my tongue naturally lays and pushes out. And so there's often many a time that I just look like I'm just, but it's even <laughs> the old tongue, tongue punch, <laughs> <laughs> but it's because my tongue doesn't naturally go to the roof of my mouth into what they call the spot. I used to do myofunctional therapy for it until uh, at the time we were switching like insurances and it didn't cover it. Um, and my parents were like, sorry, we cannot pay for this. <laughs> sorry, you're fix your own <laughs> tongue. Your tongue has to stay. You, you've learned the, 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 the things you need to learn now do it. And I just, it's so, it takes just breaking the habit of letting my tongue not be lazy and, and putting it up at the roof of my mouth and closing my mouth. So there's often a time that, uh, yeah, I'm just, my dad would say, Hey, you're catching flies. And that was, <laughs> and that, that was me needing to shut my mouth. <laughs> but I had a cool physical thing that like, because as I was reading the segment, I thought that I probably have misread it, but I had a cool like, not tick, but the other thing, physical manifestation manif- that I, I could, oh, I can't do anymore. Oh no. <laughs> what are you trying to t- I can't do anymore. The tip of your nose? Yes. With my tongue. I oh, I couldn't see your tongue move because of the pop filter. I'm like, what is he doing? It looked like you're trying to fart. Shame. Anymore. Yeah. Shame. Cut this out. Shame. Cut this whole little section no. out. No, no it stays oh, in. Our viewers God. need to know <laughs> that I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Important <laughs> people need to know. <laughs> oh, damn it. Uh, I'm almost out of. I'm out of Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's no, right with the I world. I have no Q-tips right now. <laughs> uh, before Drew goes, my only other one is uh, as a tall guy, most bathroom sinks that you would brush your teeth in mm. are below my crotch. <laughs> so, so shaving and brushing your teeth when you have to bend over, especially when you get a bad back. So, I have a system when I'm brushing my teeth is that I I'm freshly showered. My my teeth my my toes aren't my foot's not filthy, but I put my right leg up. <laughs> On the countertop, and then I rest my right arm on top of the peak of my knee, and that's how I brush my teeth. And then that's how I then spit into the sink. (laughs) Just all right, Captain Morgan stancing on the bathroom bathroom? routine. Yeah, I'm Riker, Riker sitting on a chair, but brushing my teeth. Okay, yeah. (laughs) All right, then. So, one thing that I, I I notice it. Somewhat, but more so it's brought to my attention. I mean, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> I, I curl, I curl my hands like up in a, up in like whatever shirt that I'm wearing. I don't, I don't even notice that I do it until like I look down and I'm like, oh, look at that. I've just, I've curled my hands up in my shirt. And I, I don't know if it's like, like a safety net type of thing for me. Like, you know, like kids have like a blankie or something. Like, 
I, I, I just do it. It's not like my hands are cold. Don't know. Don't know why I do it. I'm going to get Drew a football, like the quarterbacks, <laughs> in, like cold weather habit to like warm their hands. I'm going to get him one of those. So he can just like. <laughs> was it a muff or a muffler? Like a little cylinder like a full of fur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a fanny pack. Um, the, the other one that has been uh, constantly told to me throughout my life. So when I was younger, I had a, like a really, really bad ear infection that got so bad. Like I actually I went deaf in my right ear. And uh, and it, it came at like the most inopportune time, like right around the time when I'm trying to like learn like, you know, good functional words and, you know, Hook forming. Hook bonic with me. <laughs> whole- <laughs> You're catching flies over there. <laughs> <laughs> and like forming sentences. And so because of it, I had to compensate for the fact that I couldn't hear myself. I would speak louder so I could, you know, make sure that I heard myself on my left side. So from there, um, inevitably... Uh, the doctor went in and they were like, okay, medication isn't really working. We need to be a little more aggressive about this. He went in with a fucking scalpel and he scraped the infection like off like the inside of my ear canal. Apparently, I did not flinch at this. And he's like, your son didn't even cry. This is this is strange. So due to that, I, mean, I, brag. I had to go to speech therapy is for it, it. Because you like to hear yourself speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, but I mean, from that, I since I had to like talk louder to compensate for my hearing loss. Apparently, if I'm like in just in mid conversation, like even this far away, like that sounds great. No, no, I, <laughs> I can't talk. fucking smell. <laughs> I'll talk loud and people are all like, Drew, we're right here. And I'm like, oh, was I was I talking loud? They're like, yeah, you were. I mean, you're not you're not yelling, but you were talking pretty loud. And I'm like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I don't even notice. <laughs> Do you think this character will die? <laughs> I love the movies. <laughs> what do you mean he smells? <laughs> I, but yeah, so I had a similar kind of thing where I had to have tubes in my ears when I was. Yep, I had tubes, and uh, yeah, because I th- everything sounded like it was underwater. So. Uh, I have a weird thing when I think really hard, like I'll I'll pierce my lips. I'll just be like, oh, do that stupid. Not, not so much to like, where's the point of like doing like a duck face for those Ooh. stupid pictures, but. <laughs> Every day. Duck face. Woo. Got him on the show. Danger looks behind you. Okay. So, Drew, what would you rate this movie? I would rate this a a good solid three out of four. With simply the words, boy, what boy? <laughs> I would uh, rate this film a three and a half out of five uh, spells that have been pished uh, into <laughs> Stick, snack, snarl! <laughs> it's, it's good. It's a good film. I think that it's absolutely worth a watch, especially if you've never watched it before. Mm. Um, uh, if you watched it before, Pick it back up. Watch it again. If you've watched it recently, maybe not have to watch it so quickly after that. But but yeah, it is a good film, and I liked it, and I enjoyed the hell out of it. But it it has done its purpose for now. So we mm-hmm. will. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, anyone who can't appreciate this film, I would roundly harangue with a chorus of... <laughs> Oh, hang it all! Whoa! What? Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Pin feathers and gully fluff, and an indignant blow me to Bermuda. I give it a four out of four. To and fro, stop and goes. It's just to me, it's the quintessential Disney animated movie, especially for a more masculine audience. 
I think Frodo agrees. If if anyone just heard a uh, Frodo loud, out the loud, door, <laughs> a loud thump, Frodo just jumped up on top of our table. So, Drew, where can they find us on the internet? On the internets? Well, everyone, you can always find us up on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for the Real Fills Podcast. You can also find us up on Twitter. That is at Real Fills Pod. That is R E E L. You can also send us an email at realfillspodcast at gmail.com. And guys, we would absolutely love some four-star reviews. Four stars? Five stars. Why did I, I say like, four? Oh, wow. Five. Five. Maybe I should not get my hopes up. <laughs> five-star reviews on iTunes. You know, it helps us to not only, one, feel some love, feel those feels, but also, the more you rate us and leave some reviews, it puts our podcast out there to let other people know that, uh, hey, if you need a good movie review podcast, the Real Feels podcast is here for you. Mm. You can pick him up and just like put him down. Barrel ride. And oh, for uh, anybody who would like to support us, uh, the Sword in the Stone Patreon exclusive, it's a little pricey this time around. Uh, just for a one-time donation into our offshore accounts of $150 million, we will build a really, truly grand Merlin's Tower. Ooh. We'll find a secluded lake and either with an island in the middle or build an island in the middle, uh, which will be the center featuring a grand tower befitting a Merlin featuring modern kitchens that will feed its great hall, a parlor with a grand table and well-appointed seating for your, all your tabletop gaming needs. Arrive at the shores of our island by boat or brave the ferry walk, a stone walkway just barely submerged in the water, while you enjoy the scenery and stocked fishery should you choose to bring a rod and wheel. Take a dash through the countryside from our nearby stables or gaze at the stars from the observatory at, that caps the top of the Grand Tower. This could all be yours for timeshare. You get about two weeks a year. There you go. Okay. Should right. you be willing to throw down $150 million, we will make this a realization. Boom. Pennies. Pen, yeah. Pennies, no. folks. Yeah. You, you think a sticker's good? <laughs> <laughs> two weeks of Merlin's goddamn tower. <laughs> Blazing hot in the summer. <laughs> well, it's fully ventilated. Fully ventilated. Ah, there you go. There you go. Well, coming up in two weeks' time, we have our gangster genre with uh, Mr. Nathan's mm -hmm. choice. Throw up your gang signs. Pretty <laughs> exciting. Is it gangsta or is it gangster? Gangster. Mm. Mm. There it yes. is. Very and then good. two weeks after that, I will be uh, giving you guys... A foreign movie. But hey, thank you for joining us, and we want you to uh, always remember that you're the realist. And the feelest. It's Pelinol Blasted! <laughs> Hang it all! <laughs> <laughs> all right now. One and a two and a three and a four. But I'm supposed to do it. No one will know the difference, son. Who cares as long as the work gets done? <laughs>